This is Annie Stevens Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship podcast. This is the Holy Eucharist, Rite 2, for October 1st, 2023.
who are joining us for the first time or for the first time in a long time. It's such a joy to have you with us. And I want to say a special welcome to those of you who are joining us online for our live stream of this worship. Uh, we are so grateful to have the opportunity to be in community with you, and we'd love to get to know you better. We'd love to get to know this church. You can go to our website, redeemers.kc.org. That's redeemers.kc.org. You can connect on the, uh, click on the About tab there, learn more about us, and then connect with us so we can learn more about you and welcome you into this beloved community. Um, so much exciting news for you today. First, I want to make sure that I invite you to join us after this service. After this service, you have a couple of different options of how you can be with us. You can, of course, join us for coffee hour in the Great Hall, um, but you can also join us uh, for one of our we have, uh, education offerings for all ages. Uh, children and teens are encouraged to go to our 10 a.m. education hour. There's an offering for each of our grade level ages. We offer this to teens. And then for adults, we have our, we continue our fall adult education series uh, inside the Episcopal line of class for the kids that begins at 10 a.m. in the parlor. So I hope you'll stick around and either go to the parlor or one of the education opportunities or just join us in that room for coffee um, and, and just socialize and be together in the great hall. Those are your options. Um, if you have, or excuse me, uh, we have children, anybody else on the children's table? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 perfect. I would like at this time to invite all preschool to elementary school age children to join us for Bloom Kim in the chapel, for Jonas and Jesus, Tim Stop the Jonas and Jesus for Zoe in the chapel. Uh, if it is appropriate to interact with worship and faith, and then we'll return to the service in time for communion. This morning, I ask that you join me in welcoming our newest member, Juliana Alex Calhoun, child of John and Anna Calhoun. She will be joining us for the sacrament of holy baptism at the 11 a.m. service. So I hope that you will hold Juliana in your prayers um, today, or just come back at 11 and watch the baptism. Okay, a couple of big things. Yesterday, this diocese elected a new bishop, and so it was a, a wonderful opportunity for us to gather together. It was a joyous day. On the third ballot, the Reverend Annie Kristen Uppelman White was elected as the bishop of this diocese, and she is now the bishop-elect. Uh, Canon White is the canon of the Ordinary for Congregational Development in the Diocese of Indianapolis, um, and she's a, a, a wonderful priest and a phenomenal person. Some of the people at this church have actually worked with her in the past, and we think very highly of her. Um, she was elected by a large majority, and it was a very uh, beautiful and celebratory occasion. So um, we're looking forward to you all meeting her at some point, and we'll keep you posted as we know uh, more about when her consecration will be and, and where. So we'll just we'll let you know about that. Many of you, hopefully all of you at this point, have received an email and, and a letter, a physical letter, uh, inviting you uh, to give to the church as we have now officially begun our 2024 annual giving fund campaign. I hope that you have gotten that. You've received a letter in the email to ask you to make a financial commitment. Um, I want to just let you know, I haven't pledged yet. Um, and I'm supposed to pledge, right? Like, because I go to this church as well. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go on my app. I have a Redeemer Cincy app, as you all have on your phone. And there's a giving thing. And I'm going to click on that. I'm going to click on giving. And then it says pledge. So I'm going to click on pledge. I can see what my pledge was last year. So I'm just going to add 5% to that, um, which I know you all will do too. And, uh, and then I'm just going to click on that, and I'm going to add my pledge. And now I have pledged, I just pledged to the church. 
So you all can do it that easily, that quickly. If you'd like to do it the old school way and write a little, uh, fill out the form and send it in, that's great. Or send me an email, you're welcome to do that. But you can just do it online. I just pledged right in front of you. You can pledge very quickly if you'd like to. Let's talk real quickly about this. Money is such a sensitive subject and make us all feel very uncomfortable. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns about what it means to give to the church or how much or any of that, please don't hesitate to talk with me. It's a private conversation and there is no judgment in it. It's a matter of discernment and faithfulness. And I want you to know that how much you give is always confidential. If you give at all is confidential. But it's also important for you to know that whether you give or how much you give doesn't matter in terms of your relationship to this church, your belovedness by God, and the fact that you are welcome and you belong here. So please do know that. This is not a matter of who's in and who's out. Uh, you're all in and you all belong. And so uh, we hope that your gift to this church is a response to the reality that you know that you belong and that you are beloved in this church just as you are. All right, that's all I'm going to say about that until next week when I say all the same stuff again. So I invite you please to stand as we begin our worship together. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts 
by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what the Lord Jesus Christ says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, you declare your almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Grant us the fullness of your grace that we, running to obtain your promises, may become partakers of your heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The parents have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge? As I live, says the Lord God, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. Know that all lives are mine. The life of the parent, as well as the life of the child, is mine. It is only the person who sins that shall die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is unfair. Hear now, O house of Israel. Is my way unfair? Is it not your ways that are unfair? 
When the righteous turn away from their righteousness and commit iniquity, they shall die for it. For the iniquity that they have committed, they shall die. Again, when the wicked turn from the wickedness they have committed and do what is lawful and right, they shall save their life. Because they considered and turned away from all the transgressions that they had committed, they shall surely live. They shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is unfair. O house of Israel, are my ways unfair? Is it not your ways that are unfair? Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, according to your ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from your transgressions. Otherwise, iniquity will be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions you have committed against me, and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, says the Lord God. Turn then and live. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. A reminder that we will sing the psalm together this morning. The choir will sing all of the verses, and we would ask you to join us in verses 2, 4, and 6. You'll see that in verse 4, you have three lines of text. At the end of every line, we will take a break. Before we sing the psalm, I wanted to draw two things to your attention because I plan all these things and I realize that I don't explicitly say. Um, we have a new gospel song starting this month, and if you look at the gospel song, you would see that it is from the Leave Us hymnal, which is short for Lift Every Voice and Sing hymnal, which is a hymnal that is used in many parishes in the diocese that draws from different faith traditions, from the African-American faith tradition in particular. So every month, for the next few months, we're going to introduce a new, a new song from that hymnal. So it'll be new but we'll do it for the whole month and hopefully you become comfortable with it as well. The other thing that I've never explicitly stated is that if you look through the anthems that we were doing now in ordinary time, occasionally, actually more than occasionally, you will see a name that is a woman composer and we've been focusing on programming music by female identifying composers as well. And you can tell because I put their first name so you can tell generally, so just, so you know what's going on behind the scenes as well. So let us sing the psalm together.
A reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality from God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The word of the Lord. of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. 
Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of our Lord. God, grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I always thought that this story of the, the chief priests and the elders coming up to Jesus in the temple and asking him, what gives you the authority to do this? I always thought it was kind of a petty question uh, before. I, I thought like they had nothing left to say to Jesus except like, uh, well, how come you get to? Who gives you the right to say these things? And I always thought it was sort of a, to resort to the question of who gives you the authority just feels like such a, a, a small detail in the larger reality of all that Jesus is doing in the world and in his teaching and his, and his leading and all of his healing and all of his work. And they're like, yeah, but who said you could? I thought that was such a petty question. My and I've got to say, I've, I've softened a little bit lately in my understanding of the, the chief priests and the elders and their asking of this question. Don't worry, I'm still team Jesus, and I think Jesus answers it beautifully, and, and he gets it right. But I, I'm not as annoyed with them for asking the question as I used to be. Because I look at our own world and realize how fractured we all are in terms of our understanding of where we find authority. We, had a, we are at a time and a place in our country, in our culture, where 
we are shaken to the core as to where is the authority? Where, whose voice do we see as authoritative? What set of facts do we consider authoritative? I mean, if, if any, if any Republican stands up, any Republican with any kind of authority, power, stands up and speaks, half the people in this room won't believe a thing he says or she says no matter what, by virtue of the fact that he's a Republican. And of course, then a Democrat gets up, any Democrat in power gets up and speaks, and half the people in this room won't believe a thing that they say by virtue of the fact that they're a Democrat. That's where we're at as a people. We are unable to recognize authority in others unless they fall in line with our party, with our ideology, with the way we see things. We are deeply fractured. And we are not capable of recognizing authority except that which validates our already held worldview. Now I want to let you know, I don't consider us, this is not new. It might be new for us, it might be heightened at this time, but this is actually something that has been happening to people throughout the history of the world. In times of cultural upheaval, in times of uncertainty, people scramble and scrape and wonder where is authority? Who's got it? Who do we trust? Who do we believe in? And this is not new, and it's certainly not new for the people in Jesus' story. We want to remember this, this Jesus we're hearing about. This is not a story from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This is not a fairy tale of once upon a time. Jesus landed in this fairy tale land and, and, and all of these stories. These stories and Jesus' life are located in a real time and place. He's brought to the people of Israel as they are occupied by the Roman Empire. And there are serious questions about whose authority matters. Who, who should we actually listen to and believe? Do we pay attention to King Herod? He's called King Herod, after all. He's the king of Israel. Of course, he was only made king by the Roman Empire. As long as he says and does what he's supposed to do and acts as an appropriate vassal for, for them, then it's okay. Then he's allowed to be king. But he's brokered a fragile peace. And he's created a space that's not perfect, but at least we're not being killed every day, most of us. So hey, maybe that's the way to go. Maybe that's where we find authority. On the other hand, there are folks like we're, some of our favorite people, you know, the Pharisees, who are constantly teaching against the empire and teaching against King Herod. And are pointing towards the words of God and scriptures to say what's happening in our, in our country is not acceptable. Of course, they're not actually living up to the things that they say but at least they're saying it. So maybe we follow them. And then here comes Jesus. And Jesus is not affiliated, as far as we can tell, he's not officially affiliated with any of them. He doesn't seem to belong to the Herodians. He doesn't seem to belong to the Pharisees. He could, you could almost think he's one and then maybe the other, but it's hard to tell. And all of a sudden, in this story that we're hearing today, he shows up in the temple of Jerusalem, the religious and political center of their people shows up before the Passover, the biggest holiday of their people. And this, is, this story that we're here today is the week that Jesus is killed. He shows up in Jerusalem, and you'll remember the story, 
as he's walking up into Jerusalem, the people are throwing their cloaks and the palms on the ground and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Help us, God. Save us. Here he is. This is the Messiah praising Jesus. And then Jesus walks into the temple and begins to teach. The elders and the chief priests are the people who run the temple. They did not invite him to come and teach. If we were sitting in here and someone we didn't know and that wasn't dressed all funny like this just walked in and got up here and started talking, we'd have some questions. What are you doing? And who gives you the right? Jesus, of course, answers beautifully by not answering at all one of his best talents that he has. I'm not even going to answer your question, he says. And the powerful thing about that is he puts them in a position where he's saying, I don't actually recognize your authority over me. I don't even have to answer your question. But then he goes on and he tells three parables and we hear the first one today. Okay, so a, a man has two sons and he sends them out to do work in the vineyard and the first son says, I'm not working for you, forget it, and leaves in a huff. And then a couple minutes later goes, okay, well, that was dumb, I'm going to go work. And he does the work. And the other son goes, yes, of course, Father, I can't wait, this is going to be so much fun. And then he leaves and screws around and never does a thing. And Jesus asks the obvious question, so which one of them did the will of the Father? And we all know the answer. The snarky, grumpy one who complained and said, I'm not going to do it, but did the work. Not the one who said all the right things and acted the right way and did nothing. Jesus places our concept of authority. He places it in where the work is done. Jesus places authority in who's actually making something happen, doing the will of God. You know, the, 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 the chief priests and the elders, and, and the enemies of Jesus, by the way, are not the first people who have ever asked the question, what gives you the authority to do this work? There's a, there's a story from earlier on in this gospel where one of Jesus' biggest fans, one of his biggest friends and and, and first loves. John the Baptist himself questions, Jesus, are you sure you're actually the person we're all waiting for? There's a story where Jesus, John the Baptist sends his disciples to see Jesus and say, what, the, the actual words are, are you the one that is to come or are we waiting for someone else? John the Baptist who believes in Jesus is now wondering, is Jesus actually the person who will save us? And do you know what Jesus' response is to John the Baptist, whom he loves? He says to, his, to the disciples of John, he says, what am I doing right now? Like, you just interrupted me. What, what was I doing? Well, you were healing people. You were making the, blame, the blind see and the deaf hear, and you were making the lame walk, and you were raising people from the dead, and you were loving people who were on the margins and drawing them back into community, and you were teaching about the presence and the power of God's love. And Jesus goes, right. That's what I'm doing. Go tell John the Baptist that's what I'm doing. And he can decide for himself whose authority I speak on. Jesus places this idea of authority. He places it simply in the work of love. 
we recognize authority. We place our trust in the people that we recognize are actually doing the work of love in our lives. Think for a moment about those you actually trust. The people in whom you put your trust. Is it the people with all the best words? Or is it the people that you have seen time and again show up for you in love and care? We place authority in others based on what we see in them. We place our trust in people based on if we believe after watching them in our lives that we can trust them, that they will care for us, that they will love us the way we love them. The sad and painful thing that we see today in this story is that the chief priests and the elders who are the people who are responsible for the faith life of the community don't recognize the power and presence of God when it is right in front of them. They have not lived their lives in such a way that they can recognize God's work when it's happening right in front of them. They don't see God's authority in the love and the power and the miracle and teaching of Jesus. Because they have not constructed their lives in such a way that they place authority and trust in God's love. I believe that it is Jesus' call to us, Jesus' hope for us, that we will center love in our lives in such a way that we see authority and we know it when we see it. Not based on the people who say the things that we want to hear or affirm the beliefs and prejudices we already held, but that we place authority and trust in the people and the places that show God's love with authenticity, with honesty and integrity, with character and grace. That we place our trust in those who are actively seeking justice and mercy, that are working for peace and love. That we recognize God's presence in those places. One of the most painful things in the world about the stories that we hear about the Pharisees and the chief priests and the scribes and the elders is so simple. It's that God is right in front of them and they don't recognize God. God's love is active and present in the world and they don't have eyes to see it. It is the work of the church. It is the work of our community. It is our work to build up our sight, our vision for God's presence in the world so that we can see God when God shows up. But I want to take this one step further and I want to say to you, to you, when you love people, I don't just mean feel loving towards them. I mean when you act sacrificially and mercifully 
and with forgiveness, and you speak truth. When you live with others with integrity and kindness and care, you are acting on the authority of God. It is God who empowers you to love like this. It is God who gives you eyes to see the power and presence of mercy and grace and love in this world. We, all of us, every single one of us, we are all given authority by God. Not to say all the right things and to be the most impressive people. But to love this world with our whole hearts. To care for the people that God places in our lives. To build relationships of trust. This is the power and the glory of God. And it is given to us so that we can see God in every part of our lives. In Jesus' name. This morning at our 11 a.m. worship service, we will be baptizing Juliana Calhoun, the daughter of our friends John and Anna, and we'll be baptizing her right here. And so in honor of her baptism today, let us join with her in committing ourselves to Christ and renew our own baptismal covenant. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, who will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of the bread, and in the prayers. I will with God's help. Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord. 
I will with God's help. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? I will with God's help. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? I will with God's help. And will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? I will with God's help. Grant, O Lord, that all who are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, your Son, may live in the power of his resurrection and look for him to come again in glory, who lives and reigns now and forever. With all our hearts and minds, let us pray to God, responding, God of love, hear our prayer. We pray that your love will find a way to heal our wounded world and guide our nation and leaders to a path of justice and peace. Help us to know Jesus and grow in love. God of love, hear our prayer. United in relationships of holy connection and communion, we share a heart with those who feel separated or cast out for any reason. Help us reach out in love. We pray for this beloved community in the spirit growing with all people. Help us make it safe for all to live with integrity and for all to live in peace. Inspiring us through our church, through scripture, through the word made flesh in Jesus, and through the sacraments, help us to deepen our relationship with you. We pray for people in places that long for relief from suffering. Betsy Berry, Donna and John Morabito, Ryan Patel, Paul Rogers, Nathan Schwarzengruber, Lynn Zajak, and Presiding Bishop Michael Curry. For those who are struggling with mental health concerns, for those around the world affected by disasters, especially the victims of the flooding in Libya and the earthquake in Morocco, for those around the world affected by war and conflict, especially the people of Ukraine and Sudan, for the victims of the mass shootings throughout the past week in Pomona, California, Orlando, Florida, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Washington, D.C., Downey, California, Jacksonville, Florida, Covington, Tennessee, Chesapeake, Virginia, Columbia, South Carolina, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, Jacksonville, Florida, and Dallas, Texas, and those we name now silently or aloud. God, remind us that we are not alone. God of love. We give thanks for all the moments of grace that sustain us, for the baptism of Juliana Calhoun, daughter of Anna and John Calhoun, and for those we name now silently or aloud. Your love and a grace abound. 
Give us eyes to see your goodness in the world around us. We pray for those who have died, including Grant Craig and those we name now silently or aloud. Comfort those who grieve. Almighty God, the giver of all good gifts, in your divine providence, you have appointed various orders in your church. Give your grace, we humbly pray, to our new bishop-elect, Kristen Uppelman White. So fill her with the truth of your doctrine and clothe her with holiness of life that she may faithfully serve before you to the glory of your great name and for the benefit of your holy church. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. God of love, send us into the world, rooted and grounded in love, to serve all people with humility, compassion, and faithfulness. Almighty God, by your Holy Spirit, you have made us one with all your saints in heaven and on earth. Grant that in our earthly pilgrimage, we may find ourselves always to be supported by this fellowship of love and prayer, and know ourselves to be surrounded by their witness to your power and mercy. We ask this for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whom all our intercessions are acceptable through the Spirit, and who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you. Almighty God, have mercy upon you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Please stand. And may the peace of the Lord be always with you.
Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord who on the first day of the week overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name.
gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. <clears throat> After supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also, that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. These are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
Christine, in the name of God and on behalf of this congregation, I send you forth bearing these holy gifts, that those to whom you go may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. We who are many are one body, because we all share one bread, one cup. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, life is short. And we have little time to gladden the hearts of those who travel the way with us. So be swift to love. Make haste to be kind. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit, be among you now and remain with you unto the ages of ages. Amen. Now let us go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. 